0: Editor's note. I just wanted to let you know that this episode was recorded on Tuesday before the whole world fell apart. So when you listen to this, there is good draft analysis that can help you going forward, but just remember that we didn't know everything would stop by Thursday. Thank you. Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo. <laughs>
1: How
2: about that?
0: You should have been pulled. In the forefront they have faith in you. You should have been pulled. In the fit that
2: they have faith in you. Welcome to episode 9 of the Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo Baseball Podcast. Today's extravaganza features Zach B. Not the quirky guy from Scrubs, but rather the smooth-sounding analyst from the Bases Loaded podcast on the Bases Loaded Network. Check out basesloadednetwork.com for the latest and greatest fantasy baseball content. Now, here's your host, Michael Gobier. Take it away, Mike!
0: It is I, Michael Govier, your host on episode nine of the, hey, it's Enrico Palanzo Baseball Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. We have a interesting show today. We've got Zach Braff from the Bases Loaded Podcast, which is on the Bases Loaded Network. Basesloadednetwork.com. Check it out. Wonderful content created by Mike Curlin. Wonderful writers such as Taylor Bauer talking about points league strategies, auction strategies, anything fantasy baseball related, you can find it there. And I know that we are in a slowdown right now. Well, a flat out stoppage at this time. But don't fret, there's still plenty of information to get you through. And that's why I'm here right now talking to you, because we need distractions and content and information and entertainment, really. Because there's no sports at all, which is unprecedented, and I'm sure you've all heard the stories, so I don't have to rehash it. And in fact, I'd rather just avoid it and keep the show focused on entertainment, good times, noodle salad. So Zach is our guest today. He is a wonderful man from the state of New Jersey currently. I think he's got a smooth-sounding voice. Mike Curland thinks it's a little monotone, but I see it otherwise. You do you, Zach. You do you. So, yeah, Chris will be back next week. My co-host, Christopher Deary, has been busy this week. So, hopefully, he'll be back next week and we will have a... Boy, I don't know what we'll talk about next week. <laughs> but when he gets back, we'll worry about it then. Steve Polo will be joining us next week for sure. I can confirm that. Steve is a wonderful man, a fantasy baseball player and analyst himself. Steve has come up with his own projection systems, which are really exciting. So I'm really pleased to have him. You can check out Steve at Steve Paulo P-A-U-L-O, at Steve P-A-U-L-O. He is much more analytical than me, I, I would assume, since he's created his own projection systems, which I don't want to spoil them, so... You will hear about them on next week's show. So stay tuned for that next week. He's going to be recording with me on Monday. And I'm really looking forward to get to know him. Because I heard him on a podcast a couple of weeks ago. And I really like his style. He's from a similar place in time as I am. I don't think he listens to music past 1995. Which is a little closed-minded, I think. But still, there's a lot of great content. If your musical tastes were cut off at 1995... I think you could survive and do just fine, really, and have a lot of wonderful musical experiences. Yeah, so that's pretty much it. We'll still be recording, doing shows, talking fantasy baseball, drafts are still ongoing, and life finds a way to move forward. That's it. That's pretty much all I got. Just remember that we're Palazzo Podcast on Twitter, at Palazzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's. Hopefully you know that by now if you listen. If you don't, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Email us, Podcast at protonmail.com. Any questions, concerns, hate mail, anything. Seriously, we'll take it all. We will read it, and we will explain ourselves happily, happily, happily. All right, well, let's get into it. Zach Braff, here he is, the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only from Bases Loaded Podcast, basesloadednetwork.com, has all of your fantasy baseball needs. It's a wonderful website. Please support it. Mike Curlin supported us, so please support his network. Oh, and the Open Bar Podcast. Those guys are great, too. Also, compadres of ours, check out the Open Bar Podcast. Wonderful dudes. I really like their style. Easy going. Open season. They crack beers on the show. I think that's pretty cool. I don't really drink, but I respect people who enjoy drinking moderately, of course. So yeah, check them out. Good times. Okay, here's Zach. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I forgot I wanted to mention one thing. Darn it. I can't believe I did this. So the song that's starting the show now, I've been sticking to the same intro song in the last couple of episodes because it's a baseball-related song that was written by my friend Aaron 15 years ago. It's about <laughs> it's an original song written about Roy Oswalt, the legendary Astro, blowing it in the 2005 World Series against the White Sox. He wrote it after that World Series, and he wrote like a real album of music that is really quite good. I play other songs from it, And I will play other songs from it here and there on the pod going forward. But if you listen to the lyrics, it talks about saying he should have been pulled, but they had faith in you. So I just wanted to point that out. And next time, or go back to the pod and listen to the beginning of this, you can hear the song. I don't think he mentioned Roy's name specifically, but the song is about Roy Oswalt having too much faith in a pitcher and not giving him the hook soon enough. That's all. Now, on with the show. We are grace with the presence of the one and only Zach Braff. He's from the Bases Loaded Network, and we're very grateful to have you on. How you doing, Zach?
1: I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate
0: it. Absolutely. You are uh, a second guest ever on our Rico Palazzo Baseball Pod, so we are very grateful to have you. It's just me tonight. There's no Chris, so I hope uh, I can entertain you.
1: <laughs> I'm sure you will do just fine at
0: that. Oh, you're very gracious, Zach. Uh, so we are just going to talk about our TGFBI League 25. The TGFBI is wrapped up for the most part. I think there actually might be – last I saw a few hours ago, there actually was two leagues left drafting
1: – yeah, I don't think there's two or three as of today. One may have finished, but yeah, I thought we were going to be the rate we were going. I thought we were going to be like the last one, but it turns out yeah. we were actually pretty quick compared to others.
0: I totally agree with you. I mean, when we first started talking, uh, we gotten to know each other recently because we're in the league together and we made fun of uh, the initial beginning of the draft, but then I ended up taking way too long on many picks because my schedule is crazy. So I, I'm in no position to judge anybody for taking too
1: much time. Yeah, so, I think you autoed on a few of those picks there. there. You had some some things tying you up, but it's all good. Oh, gosh. that I hate to hear that, but it is truth. And I accept I'm responsible for my own actions.
0: So uh, the TGFBI, if you don't know real quick, for those listening, 390 participants Uh, Mostly draft analysts, people in the business, people who are in fantasy baseball analysis going head-to-head in 26 different leagues, 15 teams in each league, two-catcher league, 30 rounds, and there is waiver fob that runs frequently. I believe every week. Is that
1: correct? I think it's twice a week. Twice a week? Actually, you can make – no, it's weekly, but you can make lineup changes twice a week.
0: Oh, okay, Great. So that's the layout of the league. Uh, In our league, we are in – we have a couple of guys that I didn't know because, you know, still being new to the industry, I don't know everybody. But um, Brent from uh, HQ – Brent HQ is in our league, and he's a very – he's a guy who ran First Pitch Florida recently, which was a big fantasy baseball conference that was last week. And that was – that's a huge deal. And – then we have you, of course. <laughs> You're in the league. That's awesome. And we have so many people that if you want to check it out, you can go to TGFBI.com and check out the leagues and the people that are in them. But as far as your team, Zach, we're going to talk about your team, and we're going to look at some draft scenarios that might help other people as they are drafting because we're getting into mid-March now, and a lot of people should who aren't drafting before will definitely be drafting now. But uh, as far as the... Fastest and slowest drafters. I was second to last. I just want you to know I was second to last in draft speed at uh, just behind the last place person who was at an hour and 32 minutes per pick.
1: Well, like I said, in the beginning, you were going pretty quick, so I think – some of those auto picks there kind of created that long that uh that larger number for you. I don't think you're really that bad as the numbers say, but it is what it is. It's all good, man. We finished. That's all that matters.
0: The fastest was Michael Schneider in our league at three minutes and six seconds per pick. Amazing efficiency. Wow. Yeah, I was I was impressed to see that. And then Fantasy Pros does a rating of all the teams post-draft based on Fantasy Pros rating system, and um, Clinton Ho and James Brinson were the top in our league. At 99, they get an A-plus rating, which is also one of the higher ratings in overall all of the leagues coming into uh, the season here. So that's interesting. Very interesting indeed. Me and you are right in the middle towards bottom at 73 and 72. We got Cs and C-minuses.
1: Hmm. was expecting better, but I'll take it. Like we were saying before, it's a long season. It's hard to kind of nail down these projections as too accurate. But, yeah, it's a long season. Injuries happen. Uh, So we'll see kind of how it plays out. But, yeah, projections are projections. That's really all they are. Absolutely. And
0: Jamie Sayer comes in at last with a 63, a D. Uh, Jamie, I still believe your team is much better than that. So do not get down on yourself, Jamie. Keep positive attitude. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's talk about Zach's team. So I've made some notes about your team, some interesting choices you made. The floor is yours here. Any opening remarks about how you see your team now that it's finished? Any uh, regrets? Anything that comes to mind, the floor is yours.
1: So I had the, the fourth overall pick here. Um, I was pretty set on who I was taking here. I ended up taking Bellinger. Um, obviously, the big three of one of those guys fell to me. I would have been happy scooping one of them up, but Bellinger was a guy I was really targeting all along. Garrett Cole kind of briefly thought about it, but in the end I did not want to go starting pitcher round one, did not want to go that route. So I'm pleased with my Bellinger pick there. And all along, I really, I kind of wanted to add a stud hitter and a stud pitcher very early on and then kind of see how the draft falls and that's ultimately what happened with Bellinger in the first and Flaherty in the second. Um, so I was pretty happy with those two. And then afterwards, my plan really kind of just did not go as originally planned. Um, I was planning on getting some pitching depth, but I took hitters with the next four picks in Albies, Moncada, Olsen, and McNeil. And I, I didn't feel great about it at the time because I, I had a feeling that pitching was going to thin out. But um, I'm pretty pleased with, with what I did there between Albies, Moncada secure, some batting average, some stolen bases. Matt Olson secured me some home runs, RBIs, and Jeff McNeil is kind of all over the map with his production. And then somehow I was still able to add Corey Kluger and Zach Gallen in the seventh and eighth rounds. So overall, I mean, my top ten picks I'm pretty pleased with. Added Garver and Corey Seeger to kind of round it out. But um, I had a lot of mid to late round targets in mind, and a lot of these guys kept falling to me. So I was lucky enough to get some of these late round targets, guys like Brian Reynolds, who's going to boost my average department. Kevin Newman's going to give me some stolen bases. Um, Relief pitching, I did not want to go for one of the the studs early on, so I kind of waited. And I took my first in Kimbrel, who I think is going to have a a huge boundary bounce back season um, in round 11 and I followed that up with Ian Kennedy Gallegos and Daniel Hudson who I made the max pick on Daniel Hudson I believe um, all the way down in the 26th round so I was pretty pleased with uh, rounding out the relief core the only thing I'm really not pleased with is I would have liked to have added another quality starting pitcher to the mix Um, I mentioned Corey Kluber and Gallen, and then um, who else I had? So I have Flaherty, Kluber, Gallen, and then Dylan Cease was my starting pitcher four, and then I went with some upside plays in Mackenzie Gore and Michael Kopech, who I, I love both of them. I don't know if you saw Kopek today. Um, he pitched his first spring training action. He pitched the perfect inning. It was lighting up the radar gun with triple digits. So I was very excited to see that. And then uh, Kyle Gibson, I'm hoping he can be kind of a reliable veteran pitcher. And Corbin Burns, I uh, grabbed him late. He just continues to have a phenomenal spring training here. And with news today of the Eric Lauer injury, I'm hoping that opens up a spot for, for Corbin Burns. So just kind of a, a quick rundown of my team right there. Those are some guys I'm, I'm pretty excited about. Overall, I'm, I'm very pleased with how the cards fell to me here. In this draft and it's not easy especially two catcher league this is really the first time i've played two catchers i took garver in the ninth and then my plan was really to kind of just wait on a catcher and a lot of these guys i was targeting late like like jason castro austin romine tucker barnhart guys like that just kept going so i ended up reaching on mike zanino uh one of the uh, the bases loaded pod guys mike curland he uh, he hyped up Zanino the other day and how he has a swing change. Um, I'll is, take that. Kerlin. What? Who's that? Kerlin. Kerlin <laughs> said that. Yeah. Uh, he uh, Zanino has a a swing change. He he really he can't get much worse. He's barely topping out at two hundred. So if he hits two thirty, I'll be happy with some home runs. So we'll see about Zanino as a late catcher. But yeah, it's tough with a, a two catcher league and thirty teams. T- Thirty roster spots deep, but overall, pretty happy. Sorry, that was a long rant about my team, but um, yeah, overall, I'm pretty pleased with how how it shaped out. Excellent analysis, Zach. Do not, do
0: not give yourself any less credit. You deserve that. You nailed a lot of great picks in your first ten rounds. I really like that. I remember when we were drafting, and you took Flaherty, and you were thinking, oh, maybe this is going to be a regret, but with the way starting pitchers in the top end have fallen off, I think that looks like a really smart pick right now.
1: Yeah, it's it's been very difficult with these starting pitchers. Uh, Verlander went in the first. So did Scherzer. I don't think Scherzer. I don't think there's anything too much to be worried about there. But I, I was I was very torn between Flaherty, Strasburg, and Snell. And in my initial rankings, I'm, I'm a huge Blake Snell guy. I think I initially had him around seven seven or eight I had him above Flaherty but this was kind of after we're hearing the news about Snell's elbow barking up a little bit so I just didn't feel super comfortable taking Snell there so it came down to Flaherty and Strasburg and I just really Strasburg is probably the safer bet but I just felt like Flaherty could really be an upside play and he could see a huge jolt this season take Cy Young strides based on that second half. So I kind of just went with the upside play, but yeah, I couldn't be happier with grabbing Bellinger and Flaherty with those first two, two studs.
0: Yeah. That was one of my notes is that taking Flaherty over Snell, very wise. Looks, I think it looks great now. I don't trust Snell's elbow. We don't have anything to truly fear this time, but I think I just rather have Jack Flaherty because I love his motion, his delivery. I think it's very consistent and he's going to, He's going to do what he does, and I believe the
1: second half is just a prelude of what will really happen possibly this season. Yeah, I agree with you. Blake Snell, like I said, I'm a huge fan of him, but there are some huge concerns. He's coming off of two injuries. Uh, We don't know how well healed both of those injuries are. He pitched earlier this week, and he just looked horrible. He had no control. And it reminds me of the start last year when he came back from his injury. Uh, I think it was the toe injury. He's just all over the place. Um, There's times where he can just be so erratic with his control. It's concerning. And in this type of league, I just think you need to go with a safer play. And I felt like Flaherty and Strasburg were those options. And ultimately, Flaherty was the guy. But yeah, Snell, I am concerned at this point. I am like you. I've never played
0: in a two catcher league either. I've heard the legends and I even wondered why do fantasy analysts always talk about two catcher leagues. But now I understand that it's just par for the course for the top end analysts in the high money leagues. There seems to be a lot of two catcher leagues. So I was like you coming into it and I don't I don't love it, but you know, these are the rules and I'm happy to be a part of this. So I'm gonna play the game.
1: It definitely makes it more difficult, but it it reminds me of fantasy football. It's like a tight end. Nobody really wants to roster a tight end. I really barely want to roster one catcher as it is. Why do I have to do two? But (laughs) I guess we'll we'll follow the rules that are in place here. (laughs) Do you feel Albies over
0: Mondesi will be the right choice for you? That's one thing I looked at. You could have had Mondesi instead, but you decided to go with
1: Ozzie Albies. I do feel good about that. I like Mondesi's stolen base numbers, of course. I'm concerned about um, his durability. It sounds like he may not even be ready for opening day, so that was not a chance I was going to take there. They have a new manager coming in, in Matheny, so you don't know if they're going to run as much, although he's so good on the base pass you would think that he's going to continue to run. But I think Albis is just five-category production across the board. Mondesi is really just a one-category guy in stolen bases. He's going to hit maybe, what, 250, 260. He, he might be able to put up 15 to 20 home runs. But other than that, I mean, he's nothing compared to Albies in my mind. You're just paying for those stolen bases. But Albies will get you maybe 15 to 20. Um, so I'm, I'm happy with the Albies pick there.
0: Yeah, Albies goes in round three for you, and then C goes the next pick to Clinton Ho, who had the highest rating based on fantasy pros in our league, so that must have helped. But I wonder, when you took Johan Moncada, you took him in the fourth round when it came back to you, there was other guys like Giancarlo Stanton. Now, I know he's hurt, but did you put a premium on infielders and middle infielders in particular, or was it just corner any infielder do? because there's a shortage of second baseman obviously. I Albies was genius there, but Giancarlo Stanton could really outperform you on this year if he's healthy. And I think it's not it's not impossible, it's not implausible.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm really concerned with Stanton and Judge in that outfield just their durability. So, mm-hmm. I was kind of staying away from both of those guys. Uh, the reason, if there was anybody that I was considering in that spot, it was really J T Realmuto. It was actually J T Realmuto and you, Darvish. I was thinking Darvish could be that second ace, but I just didn't, didn't love having him as my second ace, so I ultimately waited. But I wouldn't have minded taking Realmuto and taking the best catcher out there. But ultimately, I went with Moncada because, once again, I think he's only going to get better. We may see some regression. Very high BABIP last year. It may seem some batting average regression this year. But overall, I think he's another five-category producer. We saw he put up some some huge uh, stolen base numbers in the minors. Um, it should be interesting to see what this team does. This is a team that's on the rise in the White Sox. They've got an amazing-looking lineup there. So it wouldn't shock me if he runs a little bit more. I think he had about like 10 stolen bases last year. But if we can bump that up to 15 to 20, I really love the pick there. Uh, Last year, I came in in second place in two Roto Leagues that I was in, and I ultimately lost because of my my stolen base numbers. I just really focused the firepower elsewhere and the power average RBI departments. So this year, I'm, I'm kind of making a conscious effort to make up for that and grab some guys. I don't have to be the leader of the pack. I don't have to grab Mondesi and Trey Turner, but if you grab guys like Albies and Moncada and later guys like Kevin Newman and Dubon, guys that I grab that'll get you maybe 15 stolen bases, it adds up, it goes a long way. So that's kind of the philosophy that I was going here and why Moncada uh, was the guy I chose in round four. Yeah, you're taking the opposite approach of a Mondesi with
0: having several guys who can give you 10 to 15 stolen bases, giving you more balance and also not putting you in a hole where a guy just gives you one category, I think that's very wise. And another yep. wise—oh, do you want to say something? No, nope, I was agreeing with you. Go ahead. <laughs> another wise move you made was taking Matt Olson in round five. Uh, Jose Abreu went around later in round six, and I think Olson is vastly superior to
1: Abreu. And there's 50 home runs in that bat this year. I agree with you, man. Me and uh, me and Kurland have have a bet going this year. Actually, between I'm a Mets fan and uh, I'm a big Pete Alonso guy. Curlin was telling me all offseason how Pete alonso he's being way overvalued in the second round, which I agree, his ADP is, is a little high. We're probably going to see some regression, but hes uh, he was taking Olsen. He ranked Olsen third over Alonso at four. So me and him have a bet going, uh, who finishes as the higher-ranked player. But I agree with him. I, I really do like Matt Olsen this year. I still think Alonso outperforms him, but in terms of draft day value... I think Olsen in the fifth is great value. So very excited about that pick. And I agree, you're looking, if this guy can stay healthy, you're looking at like 40 home run potential here.
0: Yeah, I mean, he exploded on the scene a couple of years ago when he he came up in August and he hit a ton of home runs at the end of the year. Showed you that he can hit homers in bunches. And the Alonzo take, by the way, it's a very hot take in the fantasy world right now that Alonzo kind of... He blew his load last year. He kind of came out too hot, and now there's a reality check coming in this year. But that could still be a 40-home run guy. I, I kind of like that bet on your side, but we'll see uh, how that
1: plays out. Yeah, I, it's it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I still think Alonzo is going to come out on top. A lot of people are sleeping on him. I, like I just said, he the draft value in the second round, it might be a little too high, but he's still going to hit you 40 home runs. That's a very safe floor for him, for a guy that just hit 53 his rookie year. So we will see how that plays out. But, yeah, I'm going to take my side of that bet. Sorry, Curlin.
0: (laughs) Oh, Mike, hey, can't win them all. So in seven and eight, round seven and eight, you took Kluber and Gallen back-to-back. And then you did not take a starting pitcher until round 16 with Dylan Cease. So there's an eight-round gap there. You took some relievers. But for starters, you kind of took two guys I assume you have a lot of trust and confidence in. And then we're just waiting on the upside later on.
1: Nope. Oh, sorry about that, my dog. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I I don't know. It's just kind of how the cards played. I, I did not want to end up getting stuck with uh, kind of like a lower-tier catcher. I really wanted one of the top-tier guys, so I felt like taking Garver was big right there. And the shortstop, um, obviously shortstop is a very deep position this year, but I felt like there was – becoming a little bit of a drop-off at that point. So I felt that I had to take Corey Seager in that spot. And one of the teams um, after me was in need of a short – two teams were actually in need of a short stop. So I felt like I needed to pull the trigger there. And then Craig Kimball, I really wanted to get on the board with my relief core. So Craig Kimbrell was there. Yeah, it just, it's just kind of how the cards fell to me. Um, you took Newman – Seeger in this gap. So you got two shortstops,
0: which is yeah. both of those guys have very high potential. I mean, Seeger used to be a, a stud when he first broke out. It was, this is a guy who's going to be a perennial. I mean, there was talk of first round potential. So if you get him and then you throw in Kevin Newman, who had a really, really fun season last year, giving you 16 steals as well, that's, that's great. And Jorge Polanco went three spots after Corey Seeger. You feel confident that Seeger. Is superior to polanco or is it really you know splitting hairs there
1: i'm just kind of banking on the uh the big bounce back year from Seeger. he really he, he obviously had a slow start last year with the injury comeback from the tommy john but he actually put up great numbers um i think he only had around um like 450 plate appearances or 450 at-bats last year and he still put up um 80 rbis 80 runs Um, almost 25 homers and yeah I mean if he can get five 600 plate appearances uh, I think we could see rookie of the year Corey Seager come back here I think this is going to be a huge bounce back campaign for him I like Polanco as well but I'm just kind of banking at this point on the big bounce back that lineup in LA is just absurd and I would gladly take anybody in that lineup I really one of the guys I was targeting that I missed out on in this draft was Justin Turner. I love Turner batting third in that Dodgers lineup. So um, any any opportunity to take some Dodgers, I gladly will do that. But, um, yeah, Corey Seager in 489 plate appearances last year, he uh, 82 runs, 19, 19 homers, 87 RBIs, 272 average. I feel like that's only going to get better. And, yeah, I'm banking on the bounce back from Seager this year.
0: Beautiful. All right, two more points, and then we'll uh, let you go. I know you got a draft coming up, so I don't want to keep you from that. All good. So you went with Dylan Cease, Mackenzie Gore, Kopech, Kyle Gibson, and Corbin Burns in rounds 16 through 24. Now, Burns' last start in spring training uh, yesterday was really quite impressive. He had six strikeouts and four innings. There's a lot of buzz about him, and now with the Lauer injury, Eric Lauer being injured, as you said, that could be very beneficial for Burns. I wonder, do you feel like those were worthwhile picks? I mean, some of these guys could have maybe gone even, well, not too much later, but in the round you took, Mackenzie Gore, for example, you could have had possibly Mark Canha, Spencer Turnbull, uh, Will Myers, Brendan McKay, are any of those names that you would – Prefer to have taken over Mackenzie Gore, or do you feel like he'll be up by May or June, contributing to the Padres?
1: I think Mackenzie Gore will be up by May or June. Um, I think it was an upside play that I just couldn't turn down at that point in the 19th round. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm very excited for the possibility of Mackenzie Gore and Kopech making some noise. Dylan Cease too. Cease has looked great. In spring training, and like you were saying, Corbin Burns, he really has looked fantastic. Um, I will give props to Mike Kerland yet again. Kerland was calling Corbin Burns earlier in the all season. He was calling him more as a uh, a deep league saves type guy, possible relief pitcher uh, because their rotation is stacked. But yeah, with these injuries to to Lauer, and just the way Corbin Burns has been performing. Um, I I was pretty surprised to see him there in the 24th round. He fell pretty far. But yeah, if Burns, apparently he had LASIK LASIK eye surgery this offseason, and he's fixed up some mechanics. We all know what kind of nasty breaking pitch Corbin Burns has. So I mean, if he can kind of figure this out, I mean, he could kind of take like a Brandon Woodruff leap of last year uh, for this season. So I'm very excited about that. And yeah, I'm I'm just I'm just kind of hoping that some of these late round starting pitching flyers that I took are are gonna pan out. So we'll we'll have to wait and see on some of these guys.
0: Yeah, there's a wide berth going on with these guys with Cease, Gore, Kopeck, and Burns. There there could be some very exciting days for you, but there could be some low days. So <laughs> I like that. I like that you went for it though. You go with your guys, you take the risk. ADP is a great guide, but we gotta go with our guys because I'd rather lose with the guys that I thought would work out. And if they didn't, I learned a lesson, but I, I ride or die with my boys,
1: you know? Yeah, exactly, man. That's a great way to put it, ride or die. And just a few other ride or dies. I mean, Cespedes, if he can come back healthy, he could be a 30-home run bat in that lineup. And Franchi Cordero was a guy. I was targeting Franchi Cordero um, in the early 20s, and I just kept saying, you know what? I'm going to pass those other options out here. Franchi may not even be the starter, so I kept waiting. Nobody took him, so I took him in the 28th round. And if Franchi can play, I mean, he's a power speed threat. Um, He lights up that stack cast uh, leaderboard. Uh, He's got some great metrics, high sprint speed, high hard hit rate. He is, uh, if he gets the playing time, if he's healthy, love that pick late. Um, So, yeah, um, overall, I'm pretty pleased with how how my guys turned out but before we go i, I kind of want to hear a little bit about your team enough of my team could we talk about your team briefly here
0: <laughs>
1: well sure uh, you know very unless, brief- you, unless you have to go
0: <laughs> no 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 i'm good so with my team i had the 8th overall pick and uh, i opened up with trey turner and starling marte and i've admitted this plainly i did take marte because i saw todd zola take him at 13th overall in his dgs yeah so early <laughs> yeah that was very early. I took him, you know, in the second round later. I feel at tw- you know, 23 overall, if he can give me the steel power combo, I'm very pleased with that. Uh, then I got radical with Mike Clevenger, Clevenger in round three, which I think is good value. I think 28 starts are going to be in the can for Clevenger. I really believe that. And then I'm going for the upside with Vladdy Jr. Vladdy Jr. hits the hell out of the ball. I love that. I know... There was so much hype about him last year. Everybody was waiting for him to come up. And then there was kind of like a dud, even though he hit 272. It's not great, but it's not a disaster. So I'd like Vladdy to really explode this year, show everybody what he originally was uh, thought to be able to do. And then as far as starting pitching, I took uh, Trevor Bauer. And then I waited a couple rounds later, Max Fried in round nine. I waited even longer than that for a while until I took John Gray in round seventeen, which if you recall I could have had Dylan Bundy in round seventeen, but I took John Gray instead. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah. I know you gotta me- you gotta uh, got pray for a, a trade from John Gray to get out of Colorado. But John yeah. Gray's got nasty stuff. But yeah, I, I think Dylan Bundy may have been the better pick there, but we'll see how uh, how Gray pans out this year. I'm going to
0: die on the hill that Gray and Bundy are kind of a wash. I mean, we'll see how it plays out, but I'm going to say it now. I'm going for it. And then I took Hauser and Turnbull, so I went three straight starting pitchers at 17, 18, 19. I love the value there. I love Turnbull. This is not a Detroit homer pick. I love his curveball. It's one of the best pitches in baseball. Last year, uh, SB Streamer did some great stuff about the uh, unluckiest pitches last year, and his curveball was one of them. And I really think there's going to be a turnaround because he was already good. He pitched 150 innings and gave you some decent numbers, and I think he can build on that. And uh, the unlucky part was Mancini and Calhoun. I took both of those guys, and now we know what's going on with them. So that's unfortunate. I'm hoping that the Mancini is not a major disease, but, I I mean, we have no idea, right?
1: Yeah, I, I haven't heard anything yet. It sounds like some type of medical issue, hopefully, It's not long-term, and hopefully he uh, returns to full health and everything's all right. But, yeah, those two picks definitely hurt you. But at least you grabbed Nick Solak as some insurance for Willie Calhoun.
0: Absolutely. And, I mean, it's unfortunate what happened to Willie, but now I think we can bank on Solak playing every day for at least the first month or two until Willie comes back, and then if he establishes himself, who knows, right? These are the variables you and I were talking about before we started the pod you just can't account for.
1: Yep, yeah. Nick Solak might be a good uh, like utility guy for you. He might they might move him all around the diamond, so that could be good. Uh, another thing I didn't mention earlier, um, yeah, I love the multi-position positional eligibility uh, with guys that I took like uh, Jeff McNeil, Kevin Newman, du- Mauricio Dubon, who's going to move all around the diamond. So for you, like a guy like Nick Solak could really do that. You have Jerickson Profar, who I think he's only eligible for second base, but they might move him around the diamond a little bit. I think Shed Long has second base outfield eligibility. So, yeah, definitely um, I love having that roster flexibility with guys like that. Your boy, Dominic Smith, was my last pick. So I'm hoping he's
0: first base outfield. Yeah.
1: And today, Michael Conforto uh, actually apparently strained his oblique. So it's possible he may miss opening day. I don't think there's a timetable. So if that's the case, that definitely frees up uh, some playing time for Dominic Smith. So that's good news for you and other Dom Smith owners.
0: Very pleased about that, especially with the Mancini being – I went all in on Mancini. He was my first base guy, and I did not really back that up. So I'm fortunate that (laughs) – sounds bad, but I'm fortunate Conforto got hurt in a way. And you know, one guy gets hurt, another guy gets hurt, another guy gets an opportunity.
1: So that's how fantasy baseball works sometimes. But I'll take yeah. it. One uh, other thing I want to ask you before we head out of here: How do you feel about your uh, your relief pitching options? So you looks like your first closer that you took was uh, Wade Davis in the twenty second. Is that right? Am I missing someone? Took, uh, Leclerc at round twelve. Leclerc at round twelve, right? So you got Leclerc, who's coming off of kind of a rusty season. Wade Davis, who who knows what's <laughs> going to happen with that situation. And are you banking on Ryan Stanek to get those saves? Am I am curious to get your thoughts and approach to uh, saves in this style league? Well, I
0: don't, do not want to get too far behind on saves, but I believe since we have the weekly FOB opportunities that saves can be purchased. So I'm banking on picking up save opportunity players during the weekly, bi-weekly uh, waiver run. So it I think guys have committees, they have job opportunities that get exploited. There's saves are everywhere. I think steals are a really challenging commodity to kind of pick up as the season goes along, but saves can be picked up as the season goes along. I've seen it done several years in a row. So in this strategy, I said, hey, take a couple fly. I mean, I like LeClerc. he think he was very unlucky last year. So I'm bounce I'm expecting a bounce back for Leclerc. He's got pretty much been anointed the closer going into the season by manager Chris Woodward. And Ryan Stanek is a guy that is better than Brandon Kinsler. So I'm expecting Stanek, he's going to take that job because he just throws harder. He's got nastier stuff. Will that pan out? Who knows? Wade Davis, people think it's over. I mean, I know Jairo Diaz is like the guy where some people are sleeping on to take over that closer role beyond Scott Oberg. So, And when it comes to the Rockies, they're a mess. The Rockies are always a mess with their roster decisions and who's playing and who's not.
1: Yep, they really are. It's a, it's quite the mess over there. But, yeah, Wade Davis is a nice late-round flyer. But, yeah, it's possible he may lose that job pretty early on. Uh, so we'll see. But, yeah, I mean, it looks like you're going to be using your your weekly fab to chase saves. Uh, it's a good strategy. We'll see how it, how it pays off. But, yeah, LeClerc, hopefully we see a bounce-back season from him. It was pretty rough early on last year for him.
0: It was. In the I think it was really a mental thing. I mean his K rate was absurd last year. So the stuff is there and it was working. It was just the walks that killed him. That was a big problem. And it may have to do with the mental attitude about being the closer. So maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe he loses the job again and Sean Kelly takes over and then I'll be chasing after Kelly, spending way too much money.
1: But there you go. That's the that's the game we're playing here, Zach. So what can I say? <laughs> yes, sir. We'll see how it plays out. I'm excited to see how the season goes here. Absolutely. Uh, I want to thank
0: you so much for joining us, Zach. Uh, where can people find you uh, if they want to get a hold of your info?
1: So You could find me on Twitter, at BravZ. I'm trying to up my tweet game this season. Um, <laughs> I usually tend to slack on that, so I'll try and get better with that. But you can find me at BravZ, and you can find uh, the Bases Loaded podcast over at Bases Loaded FBN, and uh, we have the website now, which you guys are now a part of. So glad to have you guys on board. And that's basesloadednetwork.com. And yeah, man, looking forward to uh, to a great season here. Mike Carlin would be very proud of you right now, Zach. Very well yeah. done. He's <laughs> taught me how to pl- plug the bases loaded stuff very well. <laughs>
0: well, hey, shout out to League 25. We're looking forward to the season. Uh, Justin Mason, thank you so much for letting us be a part of this TGFBI. And uh, that's it. Thank you so much, Zach. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Anytime. Take it easy.
1: Have a good one, man.